Hey, everybody. Welcome to a Community of Principles podcast, a conversation to support leaders. I'm your host, Ben Gilpin. Now, let's get this started. MEMSPA family, we are back. We are experiencing the holiday season, and this episode today is actually going to be kicking off the year 2020, 2020. And I know uh, we've probably all heard the uh, jokes about 2020 vision and stuff like that, so I will spare you, but I'm excited to have our guest on today. And one thing before we get to our guest, I have been in the midst of reading a new book, and I want to just challenge all educators out there. The book that I'm reading right now is The Four Disciplines of Execution. And one thing that really spoke to me was the difference between execution and strategy. And most people feel like they can strategize pretty well, but execution is a whole nother level. So that's the book I'm reading. My challenge to all of you out there as learners, what are you reading? That's the question of 2020 right now. Um, And without any further ado, the guest today, Matt Severin. Welcome, Matt. Hey, good morning. How are you doing, Ben? I am doing fantastic, Matt. It is great to have you on, and we're kicking off a new year. Hey, Matt, why don't you just tell everybody, where are you currently the principal? How long have you been there? What's the makeup of the building? Sure, no problem. So, Ben, I started at Merritt Elementary two and a half years ago. Uh, It's a K-2 through building, and I have about 325 students in my building, plus my GSRP. So I'm running about 340 kids. K two, okay. It. So if if you're if you're anything like like what I'm seeing, because I'm at a I'm at a young fives through fifth, the incoming students are different now than they potentially were five, six, seven, eight years ago. Uh, are you seeing the same thing? I am. I am. I started my career as a K five principal, uh, and that was twelve years ago. And the little guys we're seeing now have a lot more needs than we saw. Uh, even just 10 years ago. I think a lot of people can relate to that. So, well, let's um, let's transition into the first question. I, I think you've listened to this before, so we are going to go right into the nitty-gritty. Matt, what are two things most people don't know about you? Well, I, you know, I'm a pretty open person, so I had to think about what have I probably not shared with a lot of people. And probably the first thing is that when I was in high school, I was in a bagpipe band and played the bagpipes. And I still have a stand of pipes that I blow up every once in a while. And probably the next big thing that I do that maybe not everyone knows is that I'm a ham radio operator. So I talk to people all around the world using my amateur radio. I talk to the Antarctica base station and even astronauts on the space station. What? Yeah. Wait a okay, wait a second. Now, I, let's go back to the first one. So I, I'm assuming bagpipes, you've, you've worn a kilt. Yes. Yep. Okay. So you've, you've had the kilt thing on. You've done the whole, uh, what was that? Scotland, Ireland, that whole bit. Scottish, so, yeah. Okay. So you've done all that piece. What, I guess I'm going to stay with that one for a second. What got you to want to do the bagpipes again? You know, middle school. It was a middle school dare or a middle school pride, I think. <laughs> what? That <laughs> we is were, fantastic. <laughs> we were sitting in a, a band concert and we heard a, I heard a clarinet duet. And I looked at my friend next to me and I said, that kind of sounds like the bagpipes. I'm going to learn how to play the bagpipes. And he said, there's no way. And of course, I went out and figured out how to play. And, but when I finally found, we had a local band that actually practiced one mile from my house. Didn't know it existed until I started looking and... It's history from there. 
That is a fantastic story. And and people, as you're listening to this, this is why, and this is one of the reasons why I really love our uh, Community of Principles podcast. I would have never known that you knew how to play the bagpipes, especially based on a middle school dare. Now, here's my next one. I've got to switch gears a little bit. This this radio bit. Okay, so you're talking to the space station and Antarctica. What do you talk to them about? Oh, it, it just depends. So amateur radio has lots of different facets. Uh, it's very much a public service event. We help out with things like races. So a lot of times on marathons, you might have water stations and you'll sometimes see ham radio operators sitting there sending messages back like, hey, we need more water at the station or there's a hurt runner. A lot of people still do the Morse code, the dots and the dashes that you hear. Um, yeah. I've, I've kind of gotten into satellites. That's my big thing where I actually use my radios and just like the radios we use at work, the five watt handheld radios, I can use that and talk to people in California. So I, my signal will go through a satellite and come back down to earth and I can talk to people in California, Alaska. My big goal right now is to try to talk to somebody in Hawaii. I haven't made that stretch yet. Okay. So do you have like a specific handle? How do they know it's you? They do. Uh, much like your license plate, everyone is assigned a specific call sign and mine is N8MS. The N is an indicator that I'm from the United States. The 8 helps people know that I'm probably from Michigan, Ohio, West Virginia area. And kind of like a vanity car plate, I have the MS for Matt Severin. It's kind of tough to come by those. And this one just sort of fell into my lap, so I jumped on it. That is unbelievable. Un- un- this is so cool. I love it. I absolutely love it. Okay. Um, I still can't get over the bagpipes on a dare. And then <laughs> unbelievable. Okay, let's go to question number two. So we all know, we all have those days that uh, that kick us in the tail and they and they um, beat us down. Do you have like a like something that you draw strength from in those times of challenging needs? You know, I don't know if I have a, a definite one single answer for you. I've been reflecting on this probably all year. Why do I keep going back every day? And obviously the answer is kids. You know, there. I have some specific kids in mind. I have a little guy that was one of my first students. I met his grandma the very first time I visited, and she was just terrified that there was going to be a new principal, and we chatted for a while. And James, her grandson, and I kind of had a connection. And he was a little guy that I still, he's in his 20s now, and we still bump into each other. And I just think back to when I first met him, and I, there was just something special about him that made me think that, you know, this, this little guy... He's there for us. You know, we're there for him, helping him to get through school and to make it all the way to graduation. That's that's pretty powerful. Now, my day to day, I love bus duty. Kids getting off the bus. I have a little lady that comes off the bus every single day. She comes over and gives me a great big hug. And I'll tell you what, that just that fuels me for the day. You know, and I like what you just said there about both of those situations. You know, you've got a, you know, some apprehension, tension, anxiety, and, you know, you trying to be present for that little guy each day and, and grandparent and, and letting them know how much you care that, I mean, that's what we do every single day. But then this other thing that you just mentioned, something as simple as bus duty. And I think some people take for granted some of those interactions, but I got to tell you on the days that I have meetings that um, start at seven forty-five, eight o'clock in the morning, and I don't have the opportunity to go out and do bus duty, there is a piece missing to my day. It's just not the same start 
And, and I, even when it's five degrees and the wind is howling, I just put on my snow pants and I want to be out there to see the kids' faces coming off the buses. And so I, I appreciate you bringing that up because I do think those little things can make a huge difference. For sure. For sure. Well, Matt, let's get to the last question. Curious to see where you go with this. Was there someone that potentially saw leadership in you before you may have even seen it in yourself? I'm here. It's serious to see where your answer is with this. But then what would you say to the person? You know, it's again, it's not one, but it's several moments throughout my life. I, I go all the way back to my parents. It's just that was kind of how we were brought up. It was part of the culture of our family that you helped people, that you served people, that you always did your best. I think that evolved into my opportunities when I was in Boy Scouts. Uh, Bill McCluskey was my scoutmaster. And very early, he gave me opportunities to take on leadership roles within our troop. I know there were times when I wasn't sure if I was ready, but I'm really glad that he pushed me to to try. I think I learned a lot about leadership through Boy Scouts, uh, of walking alongside my my peers, my the boys in our troop. It wasn't that I was at the front barking, but working with them as we accomplished whatever the task might be. And then in the world of education, I started my career as a high school science teacher and very quickly realized I wanted to move into the world of little people. And Kim Austin was a principal that took a risk on me and hired me to be first a summer school teacher and then later that year a third grade teacher for her. And even moving into administration and leadership, Peg Stowers, a longtime MEMSPA member, took the chance of hiring an outside guy into the school system. And she was absolutely a mentor to me. We would have calls at 6.30 in the morning, not every day, but it was pretty darn close to that. I'd give her a call at her office and we would just chat about what happened, what's coming up in the future. You know, and even getting involved with Leadership Matters. Uh, Debbie McFalone has been a huge part of my my growth as a leader, helping me to define who I am, finding my true north. And even at times when I was really questioning what I was doing and where I was going, she really helped me to define my way. So to answer your question, I, I don't know if there was really one person that found it or saw it, but just a host of people that have really taken me along that journey and it, each in their own way kind of nudged me to today, to the person that I am today. And that's very, very well said. And, and what I'm hearing from your journey is each step along the way, there's been influential people. Probably during those adolescent years, Boy Scouts was a huge piece. All through it all was your, were your parents and the attitude of serving others. Then you take on you take on being a high school science teacher. Um, from there, I mean, it continues to evolve. So you know your journey. You had people at every step of your journey that were nudging you that way, which is which is really what it takes. And and so that's very well said on your part. The Boy Scout piece. I was a Boy Scout as well. I I made it to Star. That was uh, that was where I kind of plateaued. Let me ask you: How high did you get in Boy Scouts? And um, what was the best trip you ever took? Oh well, I am an Eagle Scout. I did accomplish the the highest rank. Well and done. Thank you. The best trip. You know, we, we we like to do a lot of high adventure stuff in the troop that I was in. And probably one of the best summer camps that I went to was one where we learned how to rock climb. Uh, that became a hobby of mine through my the tail end of my high school career and into college. And it was just a, 
just learning the skills of how to set your own ropes and to be there for somebody else and to actually climb and climbs are pretty technical climbs. You know, it's, again, it's that sense of accomplishment that you, mm-hmm. you're able to do it. Yeah, well done. I love it. Yep. The best one I ever went on was uh, our group went to Isle Royal, way up by Canada, and um, spent eight days hiking around Isle Royal, uh, roughing it. And wow. that's an experience I will never forget. So I had some great, great memories from being a Boy Scout. So cool that you brought that up as well. And well done, earning Eagle Scout. That is no small feat. Well, Matt, I appreciate you coming on, kicking off the year 2020. So 2020 begins with the Matt Severin episode. Um, Thanks again, Matt. All right, Ben. Thank you very much for having me today. Okay, everybody, as you listen to this episode, think about uh, the year 2020. We are starting a brand new decade, new year, new decade. How are you going to make this the best year yet? Be sure to check out the podcast, and hopefully I can have more guests on soon. Thanks again, Matt. Thank you. Well, thanks again to our guest. Let's continue to connect and reflect because that's what leaders do. Thank you to all of our listeners. Don't forget to check out hashtag MemspaChat Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can also find more leadership tools at memspa.org.